Welcome back to Officially Unofficial. I'm your host, the former face of junior college baseball, the fall American, Johnny Junta. And we are here with another special guest, man. He is a former JUCO bandit who hails from Memphis, Tennessee. He got drafted in the second round in 2013 by the Kansas City Royals and has one of the best groomed beards in Major League Baseball. It is Cincinnati Reds left-handed pitcher, Cody Reed. What is up, Cody? What's up, brother? The beard comment was nice, though. I needed that. needed to spark up the confidence right there. The thing is, I mean, I, I, this is what we do. We pump the guest tires on the I podcast, man. We got, we got, we got to keep. We got, I, I, I try to keep you the opposite of humble on the podcast. So that's what we're oh, doing here. We like to pump the tires. I guess. <laughs> so let's start about the. Let's start it off with the quarantine, man. Obviously, no baseball going on here. What have you been doing? Obviously, I mean, probably cleaning the shoes that you have behind you for people watching the yeah. podcast. You can uh, see. Them. I don't wear them as much because I really can't wear them out. No one's really had to see them. The ones I really want to wear, but. uh yeah, man, I've just I've been kind of running, working out here at the house, and got us some parks out here, and and some running in, doing some conditioning stuff. You know, throwing a little bit, so trying to stay in shape best I can, and uh, just with what I got, really. So I mean, it's been fun so far. It's, it's nice to be home for a little bit, but I've never been home in in March, you know, and and since I've been drafted. So I mean, it's different being home in March. So, um, but yeah, I'm just just trying to adapt a little bit. I guess we saw a game of adjustments, and right now I think we're all adjusting for sure. Yeah, and, I, and at the end of the day, you get more rest now. So when Cody Reed beco- comes in the MLB season next year, it's going to be scary. I mean, I feel That's bad for the saying. hitters. I feel scary. bad for the hitter. It's going to look like the Cody Reed of JUCO just carving Ooh. up kids. Like, it's like it's easy work. So I'm yeah, fired I, up for that, I I'll be honest. I try to reminisce those days for sure, because it was fun back <laughs> then for sure. Actually, see, the funny thing is you and I actually had an opposite JUCO experience. You actually carved and were like the all-star. I was the guy that mashed in the fall and then hit below his body weight in the spring. So we kind of have a couple <laughs> similarities going here between both of us. So let's talk about the JUCO days, man. I mean, what what made you choose to go JUCO, obviously? Because you clearly have a superior arm to be pitching in the major leagues. What made you go JUCO instead of go Division One? Man, honestly, uh, when I was in high school... Man, I, my fastball when I was a senior in high school, I topped at around 83. So uh, I just, I really didn't have it. And uh, graduate, I graduated in May of that year in 2011. Um, May, I, was, I put up pretty good numbers, even though I couldn't really break glass with the fastball. But I put up some decent numbers. And uh, I made the, the all-star game, you know, that summer for all the high schools, you know, like the, the classifications of all the high schools. And it was my first time hitting 90. And it was like just a random thing that happened. Like, no one saw it coming. I didn't even know it happened until I threw, like, the fifth or sixth inning of that All-Star game, and I come back in, and one of uh, the coach of uh, that team that I was on, he was a coach of, like, my rival high school that we played all the time. And he, like, looked up, and he was like, you know you just hit 90, right? And I was like, what? <laughs> and he was like, I never – I've watched you pitch for four years, you know, in high school. I've never seen it. He's like, you want to go out there and pitch again? And I was like, uh, yeah. I went out there for another inning hit 92 and they were like what just happened and I don't it was I didn't do anything different I didn't even play catch or practice from when I graduated high school to this game like no I didn't do anything (laughs) it just just something happened something clicked maybe I matured a little bit I don't even know but I uh Ole Miss wanted me to walk on right out of high school but I committed to my JUCO and that was my only offer my JUCO was my only offer at high school so and it was about 25 minutes down the road from my house and Man, two years there is the greatest experience probably for me that I could have I could have picked. Man, I mean, Ole Miss would have been fun. I mean, I, I later committed to Ole Miss after my JUCO, but I got drafted out of there and never went, never stepped foot on campus. But uh, yeah, JUCO, man, if anyone's listening, JUCO's the way to go. Honestly, somebody y'all y'all sleep on some JUCO now, but that's the move. That, that's the move for sure. 
That's what we do with this podcast, man. I try to bring into the limelight about Juco and just based off the fact that it, it produces major leaguers and stuff like that. Bryce Harper played there. Ever heard of him? Not a big deal. Yeah. So when you were in the trenches at Juco, because I feel like this is why we can kind of compare it to each other. I played Juco in Nebraska, which is the middle of nowhere. You played Juco in Mississippi, which is also like the middle and like the middle of nowhere. Yeah, no one pays so, attention to that state. Yeah, exactly. So our Juco was kind of different. It was like small town. Like we would drink a lot. Well, not we. I mean, I would drink a lot. I love the nation and drinking underage tickets. But what was your JUCO like? Like, was your JUCO uh, like man, shitty was, bus rides, far travels? Uh, no, the bus rides really weren't that bad. We had a pretty decent bus. Um, far travel. I think the furthest we traveled was about four, four hours, maybe five. Um, but the schedule is different now. They travel crazy now compared to what we did when I was there. So it wasn't as bad uh, now, you know, it was when I was there. But. You know, I mean, it was just a bunch of country guys, man. Like, honestly, a bunch of country strong people. Like, I, I grew up in Mississippi. I, I claim Memphis because I live about five minutes from the state line of Mississippi, Tennessee. So I just say Memphis because everybody knows where that's at. And uh, But I grew up in Mississippi. I mean, like I said, 25 minutes down the road was my school. And it was just a bunch of, man, late night bonfires. And, and that's really about it, right? There was really no, like, going out to, like, you know, parties or, like, nothing like that. Man, we all met out in the middle of a field, field and put trucks in a circle, you know, and hung out in the middle. So, I mean, like. Didn't do nothing crazy. I mean, I wasn't like the wild one in college at all. I was off. I was probably the complete opposite. But uh, no, I mean, I had fun though. Regardless, my two years there were something crazy. But I mean, I loved it for sure. Yeah. Do you have any like funny stories? Because we had Eric Sim on the podcast because uh, he's a JUCO guy and he he went to the school like an hour and a half away from me. And like we kind of just reminisced on old JUCO stories, like screwed up stories, like just like buses breaking down or even for us like getting in trouble with the cops like do you have any funny juco stories like for instance sh- shitty food you guys ate or just weird cities you visited or anything like that uh man it was a bunch of country towns i mean they almost added up to the same place where we played so it was nothing like really crazy about that i mean it's not like you know there was stadiums you know some of the fields were pretty rough i mean that's just that's just juco in itself but i mean Nothing really that's crazy happened really for me in those two years. I mean, I remember uh, the assistant coach there went to my high school, also went to uh, to Northwest where I went to school, and then now he's a coach there. And uh, so we connected really quick, you know, obviously same high school and all that from the same area. And he, I love basketball going through high school. I mean, I still do. I watch it all the time, and I know I really I always keep up with it. And I remember I brought uh, in my baseball locker, I had a basketball in there. And so I would go in the Coliseum where I, our – actual like team would play for the school and I would go shoot around I'd go play pickup games all the time with basketball players and our my coach baseball coach was pissed because I'm always playing basketball yeah. like I'm trying to get ready for the season he comes in with a knife and pops my ball right in front of me <laughs> and I'm like and he kept it in his locker so he kept a deflated ball in his locker for two years so he always brings up that story he's like man if I thank god I got him out for basketball or he wouldn't be playing no more so I mean that was that was a kind of a funny story that stuck with me for two years but I mean, nothing like crazy, no, like, you know, broken down bus, nothing, uh, nothing like crazy. I've got some minor league stories for sure, but uh, Juco, nothing really crazy happened. We had a good time. I mean, just a bunch of country dudes having a good time, and uh, and we were pretty good for my two years. I mean, it, it was fun. A lot of guys went to big schools after. I mean, it was, it was cool. And we'll, yeah, we'll go into the minor league stuff for sure, but I just wanted to put on the record that you, without a doubt, have the greatest accent we ever had on this podcast. And this is like, this is two things going out of here. We got Canada and, and like, and like the, the South going out of right here because we're a Toronto yeah. podcast. So we just Trust got my, accents. My accents. It's definitely gone away. I mean, there's a couple of things I probably say here and there, but man, when I was little, it was bad, but it's, it's gotten a lot better for sure. 
And when did you realize like you were out of JUCO? Because you obviously probably had buddies that went to the D1 row and they had all the nice gloves, the nice equipment, um, the nice like locker room. When did you realize like, okay, I have $7 meal limit when I go to McDonald's and JUCO. I'm staying in a room with four other guys in hotels. Like when did you realize I'm not in D1, I'm at a junior college right now? Uh, yeah, we did the four guys in one room. I mean, you really had to be best friends with a guy you, you slept in the bed with. But I mean, uh, <laughs> that was, uh, well, I would, no, that was, that was tough. Uh, like you said, the seven dollars, man. We had like a Gatorade, a water, and like two Uncrustables. We had double headers every game. Every scheduled day was a double header, two seven. So after the first game, it was it was like twelve o'clock and two o'clock game. Man, after the first game, it was two Uncrustables and a Gatorade and a water. That was it between these <laughs> games. So I mean, unless you brought some more stuff, or your mom brought something for you, but um, that was really about it. And then I, you know, I see some of the guys going to Ole Miss. You know, some of my buddies went to Mississippi State, even Memphis. You know, they got like, you know, the nice, nice bus, all the nice gear and stuff. You know, we got, we had, we still had mess uniforms, I swear, from the 90s that we were still rocking. So, I mean, <laughs> that that was definitely different. You know, them schools get new uniforms every year, right? It was, it was for yeah. us, it was like whatever number you were, that was basically the size of your jersey. So, the higher the number, you know, you got, you had some big jerseys out there. So, yeah, that was definitely slim pickings. So, I mean, uh, luckily I got my high school number, my two years in my JUCO. So, uh, I luckily got good with that, but. I mean, yeah, and the, there, there were some the, things here and there that for sure reminded me that uh, it humbled me for sure. Yeah, it, that's why I kind of suggest going the JUCO route because it literally like prepares you for minor league baseball. You're not living the high life when you're in JUCO, and you're not living the high life when you're in minor leagues, man. You're grinding in the trenches, and you're just on, like I said, shitty bus rides, not that much meal money. You're like you're just going to shitty, weird towns you've never thought of. And a funny, story, a, a funny story about my JUCO career. Like what we would get when we would eat, like in between double headers, our coach would buy like 70 Big Macs or no, 70 junior chickens and 70 uh, cheeseburgers. And he would just throw them on the bench and we would just tear them up. And then that's what you'd be eating pregame. Like it wouldn't be like athletic stuff or just healthy stuff. Everyone would just be demolishing junior chickens. And that's why I blame my low average in junior college. We're just going to pretend that it was because I used to hammer junior <laughs> chickens before games. That's 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 the only explanation that explanation that I have. So l let's talk about when you get drafted. So you get drafted second round, and I believe that was out of JUCO. I believe, right? Mm -hmm. yep, so you yep. get drafted second round at JUCO, which is crazy. Which means you must have put up like video game numbers in JUCO. Did you expect that you were going to go that high out of a junior college? Uh, I mean, my you know going into JUCO, it's like I didn't even think Division One was even in my like in my future, right? Because you know I'm only going to JUCO. I was like, man, maybe I get two years of school paid for. Both of my parents can can help me out with the other next two years and, and kind of go on with life. So, I mean, it just – I think I really just matured. I was a little younger than everyone else like when I graduated high school. Uh, and I think I just matured a little bit. But after my freshman year, man, I, I think I got up to like 93, 94, and I was like – and I'm left-handed. So, I was like, all right, maybe I got a little bit of a chance to go to another school after this. And, man, I put up pretty good numbers uh, my freshman year and then signed with Ole, uh, Ole Miss – the, uh, the fall of my uh, my sophomore year, before my junior year, they wanted me to, you know, go my two years at, at Northwest. So, um, and then my sophomore year, man, I just took off. It just, something clicked. I basically pitched all season with two pitches. I would throw two fastballs and then throw one slider, and then that was it. Like, I, I would do that every single time. I didn't need anything else. You know, I threw harder than everyone. Um, I had, a, I have a funny story. We played uh, probably like the, uh, the worst school in our in our division, our conference and whatnot, and I, 
it was, I think I gave up one hit like in the seven innings and it was like the sixth inning and this guy came up and I told him that Trevor Bauer, what he did in spring training this year, you know, tell the guys what was coming. Yeah. I did that. So one hitter for three straight pitches <laughs> because I just knew, right. I had that I had that like swagger about me. I had that confidence and I did that for three straight fastballs and I blew it right, right by him three straight times. And that was probably the highlight of my Juco career. But, um, I think I only hold the strikeout record at my JUCO. It probably won't get beaten here soon because now they're playing nine. They're getting to play nine any games, but uh, I got the strikeout record right now, and it's only because I got to face that team I was just telling you about twice. My sophomore year, I struck out fourteen my first time and fifteen the second time. <laughs> <laughs> so that's always why I really got it because I got to face those guys twice. I guarantee you that kid probably is holding a grudge even against you today. He sees you pitching in the major leagues and he's just praying on your downfall. He's probably. I oh, hope this guy yeah, gets fucking on. shelled. Trust me, there's a bunch of people praying on my downfall for sure. <laughs> it ain't, it then, probably ain't just him. Yeah, and he, he I mean, the, fa- the the swagger to do that to a hitter and just strike him out is bananas for people that don't really understand that. Because based on the fact, I wanted to bring this up. I'm going to bring this up later. You actually, when hitters know what's coming, you actually carve. And I'm going to talk about this because your debut the Astros in the year yeah. that they knew what was coming. You went seven innings, nine punchies, four runs. Is that good? I don't know. You tell me. Of course that's good. Just carves <laughs> the Astros. And I wanted to start the narrative that, I mean, you're superior to robots and cheating. That's the kind of narrative that I wanted to start. You you defeat robots. You're one of the first guys to ever do it. But that, that's what I wanted to bring up. We'll bring that up later. But you get drafted by the Royals, Kansas yep. City, and then you, you pl- that minor league system is the trenches. Some of their teams, like Lexington, they actually have a pretty good facility and stuff like that. Talk about your minor league career with the Royals. What was that like? All right, so um, you know, get drafted, whatever. My first, I go out to uh, to minicamp for about a week or so in Arizona before we break for a short season, and uh, I was assigned and signed to Idaho Falls. You know, which I've never really been out like past probably texas right i mean i haven't really been i haven't traveled i've never flown in a plane before i didn't fly until when i was drafted as the first time i've ever been stepping on a plane they flew me to kansas city to sign and everything my parents were there but they had to fly back to memphis from kansas city and i had to fly from kc to arizona by myself you know i'm freaking out because i've never done it by myself and i got all my stuff with me i got bags suitcases everywhere i really don't know what to expect we get out there um to minicamp, it was, you know, i never been to Arizona. It was 100 degrees at 11 o'clock at night. You know, I didn't, I was like, what am I getting myself into? But uh, go out to Idaho Falls, man. And if that ain't the trenches, man, I don't know what is. That place, <laughs> that place is something, something special to me for sure. Because, I mean, the bus rides, those are some of my stories, man. The bus rides, you know, buses breaking down, uh, travel through the night, you know, 12 hours. You know, getting there at 9 a.m., having to sleep for a little bit, got a game, got a, and, th- and then we hit BP before the game. You know, it's just like you're you're grinding. It, they what they say, the minor leagues is a grind, man. It's no joke. It, it's a uh, it'll definitely put some uh, humble experiences in your head for sure, just to kind of calm you down because it is it definitely creates some patience for you because it is it's rough out there at times. I mean, I remember the White Sox place was Great Falls, Montana. Just so you know, there ain't nothing in Montana. Nothing. No. No, <laughs> and man, we played there. It's like we had all of us had to double up with lockers. Uh, we actually won the Pioneer League championship that year, and we won it in Helena, Montana, which there's to be not exaggerating at all. There's nothing there. There was part of the hotel we stayed <laughs> in the baseball field. That is honestly it. And we ended up winning the whole championship for that league in Helena, Montana. We had to celebrate in probably about a twelve by twelve locker room. And a, probably a four by four shower, 
you know, the showers overflow. There's water all in the bottom of the shower. <laughs> seeping into the locker room. There's no doors on the stalls. I mean, it's, I don't even know what it used to be, but it wasn't, wasn't meant for a locker room. I'll tell you that. And the, the, the training room was about like three by, by nine. I mean, it was, it was rough. And, uh, but man, what a great experience I had. Like I said, winning the championship, that was in Idaho Falls, man. It was, met some really good guys. They're still friends with a bunch of those guys next year. And I was, and the, really topped it off is I was terrible. I pitched horrible. <laughs> oh, they, they let me pitch out of the bullpen the last like two weeks of the season. I didn't know where the hell the ball was going. <laughs> like, I mean, it was awful. And somehow, some way, my first spring training, you know, out in Arizona, I think it was good. I move up to uh, low A Lexington which was nice, which I thought was nice compared to what I just played in. And uh, and I didn't think I could have a worse season than I did before, and I managed to do that. I had the, a horrible <laughs> season again. 2014, man, I was god-awful. I was a starter all year. I only threw 80-something 80, 80 innings, I think, and I started all year. 80-something <laughs> innings. I went like 3-9 and nine or like 4-9. and nine was like a 5. I couldn't get anyone out, like – <laughs> oh God, it was it was it was bad and which those are all my bus ride stories man all every time any bus ride store i got buses breaking down that was in lexington i got some long nights and bad hotels sleep staying in motels when you walk in from the outside into the room there ain't no it's like no building you're walking in like from <laughs> yeah. the outside the ac doesn't work in the room you got a roommate right that smells or something you know it's terrible and but like that that next year that was 2014 you know, my second spring training in 2015, I don't know what really clicked for me. I kind of, I honestly think for myself, I took that off season like way, way like more serious because I got in the gym a little harder, really paid attention to my throwing program, you know, really try to keep my confidence up because it was at an all time low after those first, that first full season. I mean, it was, I contemplated quitting, like maybe this isn't for me, like maybe I shouldn't, maybe I should have went to Ole Miss and got some more maturity under my belt. Like, I mean, there were so many what if questions that I had for myself and I just kind of like made sure that I just kept my head up and had that good off season. Then I was in, I, like I said, somehow again, got bumped up again to the next level as in high A Wilmington, Delaware. Yeah. And, and, and I was, I continued to start. I was like the second starter that year and man, I just took off. And that year for me was huge. Uh, I really, man, I, I think the team that I was on, it, we weren't the best team, but, man, we had some good dudes. I think I went, like, five and five with, like, a two or something. Like, I was Jesus Christ. I was going off, man. I, I was striking out everyone. I was – I don't know what clicked, but, man, it was it was really happening for me. And then uh, halfway through that season, I was a uh, a Carolina League All-Star in, in that 2015. So I fly out to California, first time I've ever been to California, fly out there, pitch in Rancho Cucamonga that's like Cody Bellinger was on that team yeah um faced a couple guys I got to start that game and I hit 100 for the first time that game Gee. yeah and going looking back it's like man three years ago four years ago I was hitting 83 right I'm like what in the world just happened right and you know I I, I struck out to that inning I got to start the game everyone every pitcher threw an inning so uh I struck out to that game and uh and I think that's that game right there is what got me traded to the Reds. So um, right after that All-Star game, they, they already told me leading that I was going to double-A right after that All-Star game. So my stuff was already packed. I knew I was going to double-A right after that game. That was in Arkansas. And, that man, that team was really – that was in the Texas League. 
that's a rough league right there. That, <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's a trenches. That's a trenches. Yeah, that, that league is, is rough. You know, we finally got two buses, though. Get up to there, like, you get two buses. So, you know, not everyone's doubling <laughs> up. And, uh, but, like, the travel, the, we're in Arkansas. That travel is kind of tough at times. But um, I pitched there for, like, I was, like, there for, like, a month and a half. Maybe I had, like, five starts, six starts. That team kept, kept going, you know, kept cruising. And then that's when I got traded, the deadline, right there in, uh, in July. And, um for the Equato trade. And then I went to double A Pensacola and man, I just continued it, continued the same streak. I was going, I ended up really that season for me. I think that year I finished like a two, two or something. Like I, I had a really, really good year. And that's what really like kind of got my name out there because I was pitching so poorly all those years before. And I think that's what kind of like got my name out there a little bit. Kind of made it was making a name for myself, you know, became fine. was on a prospect list for a team for a change. Right. So, I mean, um, that that year right there was big, and so then like um, 2016 start the year uh, first big league camp that year actually uh, with the Reds had an unreal spring and I go to AAA and I thought I was even gonna make the team out of that that spring training I was pitching so well and um, wasn't on the roster wasn't my year to be protected or anything like that and I go I was in Louisville for about two months or so two and a half months pitched really well and got called up right there on that uh, I think it was what June. 16th, 18th, I can't even remember now, but uh, it was one of those days I got called up, and that was the game against the Astros. So, I mean, yeah, and lo- it's been a grind yeah, ever since I, then, too. <laughs> your story, I mean, like I said, your story is bananas to go from a guy throwing 83 to 100, which is crazy. And let's go back into that, because what we do on this podcast is we bring up, like, a minor league story of the week, right? Like, last week we had a story of, like, guys that literally were intentionally trying to lose a game because they didn't want to be there anymore in the minors. Like the pitcher was just throwing cock shot fastballs and he ended up throwing six shutout innings. And then the other week we had a guy, a fan climb the foul pole in the middle of a game, snapchatted it, went all the way back down the foul pole and didn't get caught. So do you have any crazy funny minor league stories like that? Or is it just the breaking down of the buses and all that kind of stuff? Uh, I mean that first year in Idaho falls, we had uh, right by our bullpen. We had uh, a hot tub for like anyone that wanted to come and hang out. You pay whatever. We had a hot. We had a hot tub right by the bullpen. It was a pretty big hot tub, so like kids would always yell at us, like splashes every once in a while. Like, and I remember I, I pitched a game in that Idaho that Idaho uh, season. Was back from the dugout right because we were about to win, so I was ready to shake hands or something like that. And uh, so I was sitting back in the dugout. The game's ending. You know, people were still in the stands, you know, hanging out. It was like in the middle of a neighborhood. So it was like, that was like the hangout spot. So the people were still hung around. People were still eating. And I'm walking by, you know, signing for some little kids. You know, they don't even know who I am. You know, they just see me with the uniform on. And um, I'm walking by and this guy grabs, this like older guy, I mean, probably like a little younger than my dad, grabs me and was like, hey man, uh, you mind you mind signing something for my wife? And I said, like, yeah, yeah, no problem. So he's like, he gets me a pinch. He turns around, she's in the hot tub and pulls her, her bra down. <laughs> <laughs> and I signed, I signed her chest, and I said, "Are you sure?" And he was like, "Yeah, man, it would mean a lot to me." I was like, "Man, no, say no more, right?" Got up right in there and oh signed this girl, this girl's chest in the hot tub. Managers <laughs> walking behind me, everybody's laughing. I'm here signing my name as big as I can. I mean, it was, it was crazy. That was that was a funny moment uh, for sure. That was probably one of my better things. And everyone's, you know, everyone saw it right because everyone's signing stuff. Everyone's like, you know, meeting, greeting with all the fans. And this lady doesn't even care, pulls her shirt down. I'm over here signing her entire chest. That was a pretty cool thing. I'm telling you, 
that story might break the internet when I put that on Twitter. That is the most, like, the cop story is like, this, this is one of the funniest stories we've ever heard. I cannot believe that, like, the, the husband openly walked over to you and asked for that, which just means, what a beauty, what a good guy. But, but I guess in Idaho Falls, yeah, there's guys nothing really else to out, do. Not even looking out for himself, but looking out for everyone else. I respect the hell out of that. Like, that that's a very big power move. It's no, a very I, big took power that, move. I took that Sharpie with no hesitation, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and that, and then again, the manager probably looked at you like, "Damn, this guy is nails. Like this yeah, guy's this, a beauty." Uh, the, next, signing- the next day, we had a we had a pregame meeting, and he said, "Everyone see what Reed did yesterday, and everybody's dying laughing." No one really <laughs> brought it up besides like the guys I was like rocker like locker mates with. But man, they made a big deal about it the next day. And then I think the worst story I think it, the worst story I got was one of these uh the the bus breaking down. It made like MILB they. They made this huge story on it. We were in Savannah, Georgia playing. We had like a four-game series there, like a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. On the game Thursday, it rained all day, but we just played through the whole day. We played through the whole game with it ran. And um, we get there Friday, it's raining, games bangs. Go there Saturday, play a doubleheader. Both games are banged. So now we got to play a doubleheader Sunday. And we also have to travel back to Lexington, which was about 10 or 11 hours. So – and we had a game the next day. There was no off day after this trip. So we had a game the next day. So we had to play a doubleheader, travel, and then a game the next day. And so it starts raining Monday morning. We're there at like 8 a.m. It's, it's raining. We're thinking like, what is going on? It rained so much it started flooding our, uh, our locker room. So we all we have to hang our stuff up, put our bags up. You know, everyone's wearing their tennis shoes. No one's wearing, you know, their shower shoes because there's water everywhere. And... Um, they finally banged the games. We pack all of our stuff up. We're all soaking wet. None of us took showers. We just had to get on the had to get on the road, pack up everything. We literally get off a bridge, and uh, one of my uh, good buddies now, still my good friend, he was sitting right in front of me. We get on top of this bridge, and we hear like the bus kind of like shake and rattle, and it sounded like the bus. He just like was like coasting down down the hill, and he looked up. He turned around. And he goes. How crazy that be if the bus broke down? And I was like, ah, don't don't say that. You were, you know, like don't want to jinx it. <laughs> and he goes, so it, he's coasting down. I hear the bus slow, slowly just coming to a stop. And I'm like, no way. Maybe like something happened. He's checking something. Like I don't know. We finally we stop. My buddy turns around. He goes, I think it just happened. And then he out loud he says, well at least the air still works. Air shut off within five minutes after he said that. <laughs> so we're in Savannah, Georgia in the summer. It just finished raining. The sun's coming out. It's hot as hell outside. Hot. <laughs> so we're sitting there on this bus. Air goes out. You already know that Tim and one bus, too. The whole team, 30, 40 guys are on one bus. <laughs> All of our stuff, baseball equipment, you know, the entire uh, the storage departments are completely full. Some of them are still open because stuff's oozing out. I mean, we got so much stuff. Everyone's doubled up. There's no one sitting by themselves. And tempers start to flare, right? You know, it gets hot. Everybody gets annoyed. Everybody starts freaking out. You know, we don't know what to do. The the, the driver tells us, you know, a bus is going to or a guy's going to come check out the bus. It was two hours before a guy came and checked the bus, checked like the engine or whatever. And there was, and there was, and mosquitoes are terrible there, especially when it just got finished raining. It's hot. The bus is, I'm sweating. I ended up stripping all the way down to just my, just my heart. <laughs> I was, I had, I took my and with the Royals, our uh, dress code was we had to be collar. We had to all had to wear collar shirts because that was like the rule. That was our dress code rule on the bus. You know, every day we had to wear collar shirts. So everyone's got like their button downs on or like a polo. Some of us got some khakis on. Some of us got like some nice shorts. 
and it's everything is just everyone's ripping off their clothes it's so hot we're ruining all these shirts i'm taking off my pants taking off my shoes like i'm sitting there on the bus against the window trying to lean against the window see if the window's cold i'm look i remember looking down there was sweat dripping from my nose i mean it was it was horrible so two hours goes by the guy comes by uh tries to fix it some guys are even going it's starting to rain again so some guys are leaving the bus and just sitting in the rain because it's so hot <laughs> i'm on the side of the road with just my drawers on getting rained on because it's so hot all i did was have my socks on my shoes and my underwear that's it and i'm over here just sitting there getting rained on and uh that and so two hours goes by then he says he couldn't fix it we have to wait for another bus so we're sitting there waiting another bus comes about probably about two hours later we put all of our stuff on the bus, and it was like the old, like Bull Durham bus, like an old, old bus. Like it was, ter- like, a, like I can't even describe it. Like that's the best way I can say it. it's a Bull Durham old school bus. We all we have to put even not just our suitcases, our baseball bags, all of our stuff, clean the bus entirely out. We're all like got our shirts off. Everyone's pissed off. We're throwing bags in there. We don't care where it goes. Get on that bus. That bus takes us to a rest stop about 30 minutes away, drops us off. We have to take everything off the bus again and wait for another bus to come pick us up. We stopped this rest stop. I paid $15 for a shower. $15 for a shower. So that's, I mean, that's a quarter of your minor league salary pretty much for the sh- for the shower. Like that's, the, the, that's pretty much the week's week pay. Especially for that two-week pay for sure. So <laughs> I've taken this shower. I don't even have a towel. I just air dry and greatest fifteen dollars ever spent in the minor leagues, by the way, unbelievable. <laughs> this rest stop was connected to like a subway, so we all ate subway. It's like I think it's now it's dark. It's night. It's like nine, ten o'clock. All of our stuff is like under like the awning for like where everybody pumps gas. Right, all of our stuff is just out in, in the middle of this. Like no <laughs> one's coming to pump gas here. This is like a rundown, a rundown uh, like pilot or something like worse than that. All of our stuff is in the middle of the like right under all the gas pumps we're sitting here waiting all of us are eating subway we're all sweating and we're in that subway i bet for another two hours the bus comes picks us up we drive 10 hours all the way back we get back to lexington probably around 11 o'clock that afternoon and play a game we had a four o'clock game that next day that day when we got back and that was one of the worst two to three actually that entire four game series in savannah and that first two games back in lexington were probably one of the worst I've ever experienced. And how did you did you pitch that get a four o'clock game, or were no, you just chilling in the bullpen? God, I didn't. <laughs> thank God I didn't. But I don't I even want to know what the stat line was for the pitcher that pitched that and game. I, I don't you got shot. I don't think anyone on that team can remember the game. Everybody was just dog tired. I mean, because <laughs> there's some guys like I can't really sleep on buses that great, especially when we're all doubled up, like as big as all the guys are. You know, everyone's bumping shoulders, bumping legs, like everyone's big. And I got zero sleep. Uh, I think I, I want to say I pitched that next day. So I didn't pitch that game and got back. I pitched the next day. And, man, <laughs> it was it was one of the worst experiences I've ever had to deal with in the minor leagues, for sure. It was so bad. 
Yeah, it, it's honestly, man, it's crazy that I, I honestly think that baseball is the only, has the only minor league system where you experience this kind of stuff. I feel it, 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 there's no way it happens in the NHL. There's no way it happens in the NBA. The NBA has the G League, which is they, they get paid pretty good. Yeah. The MLB is the only league where the players are working below minimum wage. They're getting paid below minimum wage to play, and they're just they're experiencing it like they're at a shitty JUCO. Like that's what their career is pretty much like, which is yes. bananas. Yeah, it was. There's so there, there's so many leagues, there's so many players, there's so many minor league teams. I mean, there's so many guys playing too, and I, that's definitely the only sport that has like that many you know professional organized teams for sure. Yeah. So let's go on your let's go on your major league debut. Where were you when you got the call that you're pitching in the major leagues? That little Mississippi boy that went to the JUCO is finally pitching in a major league baseball game against the not like a nasty Houston Astros team. Uh, I was, uh, we had a, uh, I was in Louisville at the time. We had an off day on a Thursday, but in Louisville, you know, we went out all the time. It was a college town. You know, I was 22 years old. We all went out and Wednesdays, as crazy as it sounds, Wednesdays was like the night to go, like the night to step out. And the whole team went out cause we had an off day this Thursday. So we're like, yo, everyone's going out. Everyone's going to be out the whole team, right? We're going to be out until we're going to shut the bars down. And we did that. For sure, and we were all out. All of us, all of us were throwing them back, right? I mean, you got to do it. You know, you got to off day the next day. We're not doing nothing. You know, most of the time on off days, I either go play golf or I sit there and do nothing. That was that's really about it. And Delano DeSeals is our first base coach now in the big leagues, but he was our manager. He was my manager at the time in, in Louisville that year. And I get a call. I think I got home that night around 4 a.m. And I got a I got a call. <laughs> At eight o'clock in the morning, and I was I was supposed to go play golf this day. I think our tea time was like at one, and so my alarm was set for like twelve, right? Like I was gonna sleep the whole day until I had to go. My my phone goes off, and I'm in a dead sleep, right? Like still grinding. Felt like I just I feel like I just closed my eyes. Like I got no sleep. I'm over here reaching for my phone. Didn't even plug it in to charge it. I'm trying to grab it. It's on loud. It's you know it's it multiplies by ten when you gotta wake up like that. And I grab my phone. I see it's Delino. I'm like, I thought, like I said, I thought it was my alarm. I'm trying to grab it. I answer it. And Delino's like, up. he's already started his day. It's 8 a.m. Already starting his day. And, man, he, he calls his baby boy. That's like his thing. He, always, he was like, baby boy, what you doing? I said, Delino. That's what Winker said. Winker said he calls him that, too. Yeah. He just calls everyone yeah. that, yeah. Yeah, baby boy. So he's like, baby boy, what are you doing? I said, I looked at my phone. I said, D, it's 8.04. I was like, what, what's up? It's an off day. And he goes, what are you doing Saturday? And I was like, Saturday. I was like, uh, I'm pitching. I was like, I'm pitching. We were playing like whatever team. We were at home. We were in Louisville that that series. And I was like, uh, pitch against Indianapolis or whatever. He's like, I need you to call your moms. And I was like, all right, uh, okay. He's like, yeah, because you need to get her a plane ticket because you're going to be pitching against the Houston Astros on Saturday. And I was Damn. like, Amelia, right, wide awake, you know. I mean, not hung over at all at this point. And – you no, know, call my mom. She's at seven o'clock. It's probably around seven o'clock at home because of time difference. So I call home. Mom's like, you know, are you are everything okay? Like I woke her up, right? So, and I was like, Mom, what are you doing? And she was like, oh. she was like, what's wrong? She's panicking a little bit. And I was like, what are you doing Saturday? Like I did the same thing that he did to me. I was like, what are you doing Saturday? And she was like, uh, I don't know, yard work, whatever she said. I was like, Mom, I'm pitching against the Astros on Saturday. You got to get to Houston. And she loses it, right? Tells it. Tells you know my stepdad at the house. I call my dad and I call my sister 
and I tell them, obviously, you got to like tell them, you can't tell anyone right now. You got to wait. So my mom was itching, you know, to post it on Facebook or whatever, whatever she wanted to post <laughs> it on. And I was like, mom, you got to wait. You cannot do it right now. And because that's like one of the rules they tell us that, look, if you get called up and it's not like, you know, but like, you know, post it to the world, or whatever, like the Reds didn't announce it or whatever. Like you could like you're telling if you post it, you're telling someone on that team that like someone's coming down. You know what I mean? So like you can't just post it right away. And my mom, mom's yeah. the first ones to you know, hit submit on that post from, on Facebook. Right. Letting everybody know. So I had to tell her over and over again to not do it. And so she was like, I won't. I won't. So. I ended up playing golf that I still went out and played golf and I played it with the trainer at Louisville at the time and two of my buddies. And uh, the trainer had no idea that I knew because I didn't bring it up. I didn't want to say anything to the two guys I was playing with. So my trainer knew and he didn't know that I knew. And then so we finished 18 and we take our hats off, shake everybody's hand. And he goes, uh, he goes, have fun in the show. And I said, you knew this whole time, huh? And he goes, Delano Carlson. I was like, yeah, this morning. I was like, I didn't want to say anything. And so, so he, that's when he told me then. And me and him, man, we still talk. He's one of my – me and him got built a really good relationship. You know, I text him all the time. And he was like, you know, welcome to, you know, enjoy the show. And I, at first I was like, what? And then he knew, right? So um, that was cool, man. Packed all my stuff up, drove up to Cincy, stayed in the hotel, flew out that next night. Uh, a Friday I flew out, got to the hotel. And I, I mean, I got them butterflies, right? I couldn't even sleep. You know, it was like a 4 o'clock game, I think, that Saturday. You know, packed house, forty thousand plus. I mean, it was, it was wild. Made sure my my family got to be there, and you know, they were all set up. But it was, man, it was definitely one of those experiences, man. You can't to tell the story really doesn't do it justice, honestly. And I mean, you did a great job telling that story because, like, now I feel like I was there because I can't even describe the fact. I used to always dream about that as a kid, just suiting up in that first major league game everyone dreams about that shit obviously right what yeah. was kind of running through your mind when you're on the mound there like when did you kind of realize like or step back and say holy shit man i'm in the major leagues right now like did you have that moment uh yeah so usually my composure is pretty good like i had that big league spring training so it was the first time on big league field facing big league hitters like and i had a really good spring so i was like trying to keep that same mindset and I really got uh, close with, like, Jay Bruce. He was on the team at the time. Cozart, you know, those guys were on the team. Really gave me a hard time that spring, but, like, we're always on me. But, you know, one of the better guys that I, you know, came in contact with for sure with that year. And um, so I'm, I walk in the clubhouse. Everybody's, you know, hugging me, you know, congratulating me and whatnot. And um, I'm sweating. I'm pretty sure I was I, I was sweating through my shirt as I walked in the clubhouse. <laughs> I'm, sweating. I'm pretty sure I got some, had some pit sweat and some back sweat when I'm sure trying to walk in. And, um I got to my locker. Everything was fine. No, I didn't really have. I mean, I was like nervous, but like good nerves. Right? It was. It wasn't anything I haven't felt before. I'm trying to like keep my head sane. So the teams are out there hitting BP. You know, I got like my shorts on, like a cutoff one. I walk in there and peek my head in the dugout just to see the field for the first time because I didn't want to walk out, you know, full uni ready to go and then see the field. Like I wanted to kind of yeah. adjust myself. They're hitting BP. You know, I see the train over there in left field. You know, I see Minute Maid. I'm like. Man, like, I, I took so many pictures on my phone just like this. Like, I was a fan. <laughs> I mean, I still got them on my phone. I was taking so many pictures. And, uh, you know, that I, I think that calmed me down a little bit. Go in, do my normal same routine I was doing in that year at AA or 2015. Since what I was doing in, in Louisville, kind of just keep the same routine. And I finally go out there. Tucker Barnhart's a catcher. You know, he tries to calm me down. We had, like, the, uh, the pitcher-catcher meeting before, um, before the – the game with the pitching coach and he's going over all these hitters, right? Like you got Springer, you got all these guys. And I'm like, 
trying to listen to him, but then it's going like one ear out the other. Like I can't, I can't comprehend everything he's saying. Right? Like there was so much. And Tucker looked at me, and like so, uh, the pitching coach gets up, and I look at Tucker, and I said, "Man, I swear to God, I hope you were listening because I didn't hear one thing that guy said." And Tucker just starts <laughs> laughing, right? And he like he looks back, and he goes, "Man, I," he goes. I did, I've done my homework. He's one of those catchers, man. He's always on his stuff. You know, he's got a notebook. He's he's always – he's one of the most – probably most intelligent catchers that, that are out there right now. He's always up to date. You know, he's he's always ready. And um, so he he definitely – he was like, look, if you trust me, he goes, we're going to be fine. He goes, just – he goes, I know these guys. He goes, just stay with me. And I was like, man, say less, right? Like, I didn't hear anything that guy just said, so I'm, I'm with you. So I go out there, I'm warming up on the field, right? My parents are, I can see my parents in like, you know, the left field stands trying to take pictures, yelling, waving, and warming up. I start warming up in the bullpen, which is like in the wall there in left field. And I'm warming up, and it sounds like I'm throwing a thousand because it echoes so loud. So I'm like, yeah. man, maybe I got some extra juice in there today, right? Like major league debut, I'm going to throw a little bit harder. And uh, I felt good in the bullpen. You know, everybody dazzed me up. I walk out of the bullpen, walk all the way. You know, you know, the Houston fans are chirping at me, telling me I suck, right? And I'm like, I'm used to hearing that every once in a while. So it's like, that really wasn't about – I dab everyone up. You know, obviously, they're on the field. For, and I'm facing Dallas Keuchel. And I think he won the Cy Young the year before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, he's on the mound. I'm watching him warm up. And everything's kind of, like, cool. And then Jay Bruce, he told me uh, – I remember he told me, like, in the end of that spring – said when you get to the big leagues he was like i'm gonna give you one thing of advice he's like when you look up at the uh is when you step on the mound you look at look to the catcher the first time he goes you look around he goes i know you're gonna look at the stands in the stadium all that he goes put your glove up he goes and block out that third level of seats i'm like third level i'm like why he said because in triple a they got two sometimes but they don't ever have three and i was like Man, what do you think the first thing I did? I stepped on that mound. I did a complete 360, looking at all of them. Didn't put my glove up, looked at everything. <laughs> I, had, I mean, I remember I turned around on the mound completely, looking at everything, like, no way. Like, this is it. Like, now this is where I'm at. You know, I've worked this hard, this and that. You know, kind of like congratulate myself and freaking out at the same time. And I get up there and do my warm-up pitches. And then, you know, the crowd's going nuts. Springer's leading off. You know, he announces them as walkouts playing. I remember looking around, and I wear glasses, obviously. But these I had, like, I wear glasses now, but I had goggles at first. And they were, like, would clip into the sides and tie behind my head. And Suarez, they threw the ball down, you know, throw the ball, whatever. And Suarez is uh, comes up to me and hand me the ball. And my glasses, my little clip, it popped off. So I had to take my hat off, take everything. My hands are shaking. I'm trying to fix my glasses. <laughs> Because I don't want to take too long. I don't want the umpire to say something to me. This rarely ever happens, so I'm kind of freaking out. I put them back on. I time tight. They pop again. I had to take it off. I had to do it like two times. So finally I got it. Suarez was like, are you good? Are you ready? So he's like making me nervous. And I finally get the ball. And the first pitch, I think I almost took George Springer's ankles out. First pitch, almost, <laughs> almost took him out. I ended up walking him on five pitches. I got 3-1, walked him. Marvin Gonzalez comes up, first pitch, homer. And I was like, welcome, oh. right? Like, here's the start to my major league career. You know, I got seven pitches in, and I got two runs on the board, right? So I already walked the guy. Next guy was Carlos Correa, struck him out in three pitches, and that was my first strikeout. And I was just yeah. like, okay, now I'm calming down, right? Like, okay, I, that's what I needed to do. And I, I, those next five innings in between were – I was I was cruising, you know. Billy made a, I think Billy was on top ten plays that night because he made an unreal play for me. Another good play by Jay Bruce, doubled up a guy, you know, a couple good plays. 
then I started striking everyone out, and I was like, what's happening right now? Like, I struck out Carlos Gomez. I remember I struck him out. He swings, you know, incredibly hard all the time. Yeah. He swung so hard, his helmet kind of like was on top of his head, and he looked at me. It was like in the inning, and he looked at me and like gave me like a helmet nod, and I was like, wow. Like, that guy right there. You know, I'm like, dang, like that guy right there. So that was that was pretty cool. But then the seventh inning, you get the first guy out, walk a guy, Evan Gaddis comes up, homer. Oh, so my four <laughs> runs were two two-run homers. And it was after a walk and a homer, both times. It was walking a homer, walking a homer. But ended up getting out of that, struck out the last – I think I struck out Springer three times that game. And I ended that seventh inning striking him out. And so I got seven innings under my belt. And it was huge because that game before, that Friday game, I think they used like six pitchers. So the bullpen was shot. And so I ended up making it through seven. And I think we even went to extras and played 13 that game. And I think we ended up losing in the, uh, in the 13th. But, uh, but Adam Duvall hit like a, a – it was the top of the ninth. We're down four to two. Adam Duvall hits a two-run bomb like in the top of the ninth. Just did not give me the loss, right? So, I mean, Damn. it was – that game was – and it's crazy that I can remember all that, right? Like all the games that yeah. I played, I can remember almost exactly what happens. And, and so I remember um, – yeah, I want to say it was 12 or 13 innings that game after they just went through six pitches the night before. But, man, it was, you know, getting the interview the next, you know, in my locker right after the game, you know, congratulating everyone. I think I tied the the rookie record, like debut record, with Cueto with nine strikeouts. So it was, like, kind of ironic how, like, I was traded for that guy and, yeah. I mean, you know, the strikeouts. It was some stat like that. But, man, like, that next day, I think I was – that next day I – uh, that's when I finally like soaked it. In. I got to sit in the sit in the dugout. You know, Brandon Phillips. He's he, I really uh, you know he really liked me a lot. We we hit it off well. And obviously we we wore gray on the road every game. It's just gray. You know, gray jersey, gray pants. I got my turfs on, and it's like the fourth inning that second day because it was Father's Day. He comes up. He's drinking like this big old thing of water. He's drinking. He was like, you know, how you feel? Like you sore? He's like, man, you look good yesterday. Uh, that kind of hyping me up a little bit. He goes, man, I just want to say. Welcome to the big leagues. And when right when he said that, so I got I kind of like I'm relaxed and I'm on the bench, like looking. Uh, there's like the bench that looks onto the field, and there's like the bench, like the regular bench. So I'm sitting up there on the rail, and right when he says "Welcome to the big leagues," he pours water right in my crotch. So it looks like I piss my. It looks like I piss my pants. And so yeah. it's all gray. It's all gray. So it definitely shows. So I'm like, no, I start laughing, and I go up to change my pants because you get two pairs of pants up there. Yeah. Before BP had this all planned out because the clubhouse manager took my pants out of my locker. So for like four innings, I had a huge wet spot in my crotch. Like I got pissed my pants. So that was like his little joke that he played on me. And I like finally got to relax. He's like, I didn't want to do it to you yesterday because you were pitching. But he's like, I got you today. And I was like, golly. So, I mean, yeah, that, that was a cool story. So, I mean, uh, you know, they, they, uh, they definitely treated me well. I mean, I, I had some rough moments. They made me do some crazy stuff at first, but, uh, no, it made me who I am now. So, I yeah, and it for sure. The, the rookie initiations in the major leagues are so funny. Like the Blue Jays had, like a, we had a guy, we had I think Trent Thornton told us on the Blue Jays they had them like like talk about like they're like when they lost their virginity in the front of the bus or something weird like that. What was like something weird that they did with the Reds? Like what was a funny and rookie initiation that you guys had? Uh, we did that. Um, I, I I had multiple songs I had to sing on the bus. I uh, I think one of my songs was. Um, was let it burn by usher and i'll tell you what i killed it <laughs> i killed it i knew every word acapella didn't even have to play it i knew it and uh it was uh i mean they made me do some stuff like that nothing like too too crazy 
because um, that was when sixteen. That was the year. That was the last year they could like kind of like dress you up like as women, you know, and like yeah. embarrass you. So now <laughs> yeah. they do that. But um, I won't really tell you what I wore then because I ain't trying to embarrass myself that much. <laughs> um, I remember. I think the next year in seventeen, we um, we we all they all gave us Teletubby outfits. All of us were giant Teletubbies. So we all got on the plane, got on the bus, and huge Teletubby outfits. All had to sing, had like a competition, had to sing another song. It was like the winner of that. We went out to this really nice dinner out in Chicago. We all had to wear our Teletubby outfits in the restaurant, walking through everyone. Everyone's taking pictures, everybody's laughing, flashes are going off, we walk in. (laughs) And the winners of the competition had to sing again in the restaurant. So, I mean, that that was pretty fun, but Joey, you know, Joey Votto, you know, really good dude. The winners of that, the two winners that they picked, he went and uh, the next day before the game, he took them all to like the Christian Louboutin, like the designer sneaker store, and out and bought the winner uh, pair of shoes. So like Damn. that was pretty cool. So that was one of the things he did. Really cool moment, you know. I mean, I didn't win because I got booed. I thought my song, I picked a, I, I thought I had a good song choice. I guess I picked a battle and I got booed. I was immediately embarrassed, but. It was fun though. It was we all had to do it. It was super fun, man. Like those moments, you know, you spend those times like with all the teammates stuff. Those are stuff you remember, right? Like you don't really remember like the wins and losses, you know, stuff like that. You remember times like that. So and embarrassing as it is, man, it was. I mean, I remember stuff like that forever. And that just goes to show the Canadian hospitality from Joey Votto, man. I mean, just pulling up and just buying, spending unreal, thousands on speakers. Unreal dude, right? Unreal dude. Yeah, 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 and and there is no way, and I'm gonna say this because we're both friends of Amir. There is no way Amir did that Teletubbies thing. There is no way that Amir would oh, do yeah. that. Oh yeah, he was. In he there. did it. Oh, he yeah. did it. Oh, that was his, I his, gotta his, ask him about that. He made his debut that year in 17. So he, yeah, he was a he was first year rookie. So he did it too. Damn, I can't even picture Amir doing that kind of stuff. And funny story about Amir, and this is this is just why this is just, a, just an elite, one of the best, actually the best baseball podcast on the planet. Me and you actually have played Fortnite together, believe it or not. So we already have a friendship kind of groomed here. Uh, Me and you, you still play Fortnite with Amir. Yeah, I do still play. I played with Amir yesterday, so we're just dialed in on the Fortnite oh, trenches dude, here. We, we got squad up, then I'm ready. I got my yeah. gamma set up right here. I'm playing. I'm there it is. I'm dialed in. I'll, I'll, t- I'll shoot. I'll shoot a mirror text for tonight. So let's talk about the shoes you have behind you. People, I'm gonna post post it on YouTube too. Official and official on YouTube. All you right. have an uncomfortable amount of shoes behind you. Like if there is, if, if Foot Locker closes down, you can put them back in business with these. I with, the, with the amount of shoes you have behind you, talk about is that is that what you like? Pretty much spend your money on is the shoes. Like when I talk about like not dumb purchases, but like when you kind of splurge, is it shoes for you? Uh, yeah, so I recently just, my, my shoe fetish started way back, you know, high school, really. So, I mean, um, but I never could get them, right? I just only, you know, the thought of having them was cool enough for me. So I couldn't ever really get them, couldn't really afford them back then. But man, once I like, um, once I signed, I, I signed with Nike uh, my first year in the big leagues. And it's like, when some, like some Jordans would drop, you know, they would somehow sometimes be on the Nike website. So I would snag them. Yeah, and so they just kind of keep growing and growing. But in the minor leagues, man, before I wasn't with anyone all the way until I got to the big leagues. So the minor leagues, man, I would go out, I'd wake up at five, wake up at four, go to the malls. I mean, I, I, I camped out. Like, I, that was shoes were always my thing. So, like, I really didn't buy them unless I got them, like, for retail right when they came out. And, but if I did get them, I would get two, three pairs. I would do raffles all over the city of Memphis. You know, they'd call me back, hey, you have to pick them up by 10, you got to pick them by 11. So I would just, I'd wake up at 6 a.m. 
and take my stepdad with me most of the time. And we would just go from mall to mall and I'd pick up all these shoes, pay retail for them. And then I would just resell them. And so I, I, I keep one pair for myself. I would buy like, you know, three, four and sell the three, double up all my money. And then when the next Jordan came out that I wanted, I would do the same thing. So that's how my shoe collection really started. And now it's pretty crazy. So, I mean, um, uh, I always I follow like PJ Tucker on Instagram. I mean, that yeah, dude, he's a shoe he's guy. Got it, he's got it way better than me, right? But I mean, I follow that dude just strictly because of his shoes. And I saw on Twitter the other day that he's like opening his own sneaker store soon. So it's like, man, if I could do something like that, I was like, man, PJ Tucker's listening, man. Go ahead and hit me up, right? Exactly. Yeah. No, PJ Tucker, if you're listening to the podcast, hit him up. Like, please. That's All right. right. I'm this is like a second last question I have. It's brought to you by like it's, we're just talking about clothing, so I wanted to bring it up. It's like a it's a startup sh- clothing brand called fmruclothing.com, and what they do is they measure your like your like your whatever like your sizes off your smartphone. So it's good for the isolation and all that kind of stuff. So just go to fmruclothing.com. So let's talk about major league stadiums. You've been in the big leagues now for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the best stadium that you like to visit? That you enjoy visiting? We always get uh, we always get LA like for the Dodgers. We always get that stadium. Um, which one is it for you? Um, man, I love San Francisco. I think it was because when I was younger, man, like, you know, Barry Bonds going through all that, always watching those games and how big the field is, seeing the Coke bottle, seeing the glove out there in left field. You know, that, that was a, a place for me where like, I really, really wanted to pitch there. And I got lucky enough and fortunate enough to pitch there my rookie year in 16. And, and I got the pitch against Matt Cain who is a Memphis native as well. So that was pretty cool. And, um, but yeah, I would say San Francisco. I mean, I really like St. Louis. I like St. Louis. I like obviously Wrigley. And this year in early April, we were supposed to go to New York and Boston, which would have been huge, but you know, all this madness going on. Right. And you're good. You're supposed to come to Toronto too, bro. We're supposed to chill me, you Winker, Amir, all the boys. So it breaks my heart to see that. That was like the second or third trip of the season. It was actually, it was today. I know. Yeah, it was today. Your first game would have been today in Toronto, which I mean, it just breaks my heart because we had everything planned. I had Amir and Winker all all planned out, but it breaks my heart that it can't be happening. So you said San Francisco, you said San Francisco. I heard their fans are ruthless. Is it true? Their fans are ruthless. I got another story for you. So I'm warming up. They got back then. I, I don't. I think they still have it. They had the bullpens on the field, right, like in the yeah. foul ground. And so I'm warming up. And this is my rookie year, which I was trash my rookie year too. So um, I think I, my ERA was like a five, somewhere a high four, low five, or something. Let's just say it was a like a four nine eight, right? So I'm warming up. Everything's going good. You know, Tucker's catching. We're all good. We're all good. And I just hear behind us, uh, it'll say like, yeah, 498. These guys were like, 4.98. Damn. And just wearing me out. Right? It was like my fifth start of my career, right? Wearing me out. And so I can hear it. You know, the pitching coach kind of like, you know, not really saying anything because obviously he's heard it all before. So kind of, blo- I'm trying to block it out here and there. Some guys here and they go back to Louisville. Like, you suck. Like, <laughs> stuff like shit. that, right? Like, who, who are you? Like, what is even your name? You know, stuff like that, right? So uh, that was pretty bad. I remember when I turned around, like, I get done warming up. Obviously, the fans are right there. When I get done turning around or warming up, I turn around, and I'm, like, ready to throw the ball, like, give it to, like, a fan or a kid or whatever. And those guys that were screaming at me, like, yelling out my ERA, they were like, yo, right here, right here. And there was a little girl, like, four rows above them that was just kind of, like, waving her arms. And I threw it just high enough to where it was over all those dudes. Like, I threw it right <laughs> at them. Right at him, but just high enough, they all jumped for it and missed it, and it landed like right in this little girl's lap. 
and they were like, you did that on purpose. They're cussing me out, right? They're like, I hope you get hit, banged out of the first inning. I'm like, golly. I mean, <laughs> yeah, they're pretty bad. Wrigley's not, Wrigley is uh, is a pretty is a pretty uh, second place for some fans being ruthless for sure. I mean, they're, they're pretty bad at times, especially during BP. They're all sitting out there in the bleachers. Yeah, they'll, uh, they'll let you have it out there for sure. So Amir actually talked about, he said Chicago is one of the worst. And someone, he, fans, when they come out, Amir, I don't know if you hear that because you're in the bullpen, obviously, with Amir sometimes. They yep. only come out his hairline. It's nothing else. They'll just chirp his hairline. It's the funniest shit of all time. And that's what he yeah, said yeah. the Chicago Cubs fans chirp him for the most. Yeah, he, he's been catching heat for that for a while since I've met him. So, I mean, he knows that now I think he's more of embracing it, doesn't really care anymore. I mean, I told him, I said, man, we're all going to be bald eventually. You just start a little earlier. Ain't no big deal. And, and so, then I at mean, the end of yeah. If you chirp at me, you're going to catch the hands straight exactly, up. He's not right? scared so, to throw hands. So everyone knows, right? Everyone knows how he is now. So maybe some people are going to – maybe them hairline comments won't come so heavy now because everybody knows how he is. And I feel like when he did that, he kind of earned the respect from every fan across Major League Baseball now. Like no one usually actually comes at him unless they're Pittsburgh Pirates fans when I see on Twitter and stuff, man. I rarely oh, see fans coming out. Yeah, Amir always will clap back too. He'll always let him have it. He doesn't. He's he knows now he's got that got that little air around him now, and he knows that like everybody knows what he's about at times. You know that, but like he did that. But truth be told, that's not really a mirror. You know what I mean? That was kind of like yeah. out of body experience. Yeah. Like, yeah, he definitely he definitely knew what he was doing and he did what he wanted to do. But you know, Amir that I've been around playing Fortnite with, you know, I take him to the golf course with me sometimes. Like he's he's the complete opposite of that, right? But I mean. Yeah. But now everyone knows that it's in his back pocket, and he, now he ain't afraid to pull it out. So yeah, and he's one of the he's one of the nicest guys I ever met. I'll, I'll always say that he's one of the, oh, like, the yeah. most genuine and yeah, the nice guys one, I've ever met. Boys. Yeah, one of my really good my really good friends, definitely. And let's go and let's go into this. I wanted to mention this. We talked about it before we started the interview here. You actually got a hole in one yesterday. Not a big deal. Whatever is that good? Hole in one. Talk about that. What happened there with that hole in one? All right, so we're out there playing. I'm out here. I live in Tampa now, so that's where I'm at currently. And uh, went out to visit some friends in Orlando, and they always play golf every Sunday. And they're like, hey, man, like, one of the guys, his brother backed out. He's like, you trying to play? And I was like, yeah, no problem. So we drove over. There's like an hour away. You know, we, we drove over down there, and uh, we tee off like at like 9.50, something like that. No one's really on the course, right? We're all in our separate cars. Everyone's taking precaution. And um, we can't even touch the flagstick. So that's the thing. The flagstick is always in, and they have like a little foam piece at the bottom. So the ball yeah. doesn't really go all the way in. So you don't have to, like, reach your hand in there and touch everything. It just kind of rests yeah. right there. It's like a little – it's like a pool noodle, like, cut, like, a three-inch little noodle, and they just put it at the bottom of the flag. So, yeah. So you can't touch it. Even when you're putting, you can't pull the flag, can't even touch it. And so we're on hole – I, I want to say it was hole 12. So we're all sitting there uh, in the uh, – like, waiting to pull up. And it was, like, 2.05, I think. We're playing from the tips, Right playing for a little bit of money here and there, a couple bucks. And um, everyone goes, and I'm the last to hit. And I, I was asking everyone, like, what do they hit? They're like, oh, I hit a five iron. And everyone was, like, kind of short. And I had a four iron in my hand. I was like, I, I don't want to walk back to the cart. Like, I'll just hit this, whatever. So tee up, I hit it. And they were like, man, it's all over it. Obviously, you don't ever think that it's going to go in the hole. You know, <laughs> yeah, you just think, yeah. man, just get it as close as possible. And – so I hit it, and it's, I had like a little – I play right-handed. I'm lefty, but I play golf right-handed. So I hit it, I play a little cut into the into the flag. It bounces one time, one small bounce, bounces again, and just disappeared. And I really oh, couldn't – like my, like I said, I wear glasses when I pitch, so my eyesight isn't the best. 
tonight, and uh, one of my buddies, he the one that invited me to play, he turns around, throws up his arms like, no way, right? And I was like, what? <laughs> and all the other guys were like, they're like, yo, they just went in. And I was like, no way. I'm like, I'm, we're all like completely avoiding this madness going on. I'm, we're chest bumping, we're high fiving, dude. We're like going nuts because that's like a one in a lifetime thing, right? Like, yeah, yeah. They're basically tackling me. We're all yelling at each other, and and so it's just, it's crazy. I brought up that phone piece because like how some putts, you know, you'll put the ball and like that phone piece will bounce the ball out. Like it'll it'll been in, but like that phone piece yeah. kind of, So like how the ball stayed in with that phone piece in is crazy. So yeah, it was like a 205 yard part three. We pull up. And one of the guys we were playing with, you know, videos me walking to, up to the green, you know, taking the ball out the hole. But, man, it was – it was. I mean, I, every guy that I played golf with, man, I freaking text him. I was like, yo, you ain't going to believe what I just did today. So <laughs> yeah, this, dude. So so this uh, this little madness with all the corona stuff going on, man, it got me my first hole-in-one. So I can't be too mad about it right now. Yeah. No, there, there's, there's a positive out of it for sure. I don't know what ball you're using, but – I, b- I believe you're a Nike guy, but they actually send you stuff. You get a hole in one. Like my brother got a hole in one and they sent him like a shit ton of stuff. Like that said hole in one, like pins and all that kind of stuff. I don't know if you're going to, if you're going to tweet that or uh, do any of that stuff. I wouldn't even use a freaking Nike balls. Using, I, I'm a big fan of a, uh, you've heard of the vice balls. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what right. I use. I got, I got, I use vice balls. And so, and I had uh for Christmas this past year, my uh, my parents got me a dozen vice balls with my like emoji logo on it with like my glasses. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And I mean, I want to say it was like a par five before. It was like a tough tee shot, so like I didn't want to like maybe lose that ball, so I just used a regular vice ball, teed off with it. I birdied the par five with that ball. I obviously had it in my pocket. I'm like, I'm just gonna keep using it. Didn't even use my face logo ones. And then I made the hole in one with the next shot. And I wish it would have been my logo ball, but it wasn't. That would have been elite. That would have been that elite free advertising. That would have been. I could have, I could have told everyone it is my logo ball, but I stayed honest with them. There you have it, folks. Cincinnati Reds pitcher, like I said, one of the best groomed beards in Major League Baseball. <laughs> Carved up the Astros in his debut. A legend. He's going to be an officially unofficial legend. He's going to be going off in the record books of this podcast. Yes, sir, man. I appreciate you having me. Thank you for listening to Officially Unofficial. Make sure you guys subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. And follow us on Twitter at Pod And on Instagram at Officially Unofficial Pod. Thank you. Thank you.